The hits literally keep on coming. From one boxing event to the next, they grow in excitement and anticipation. And this weekend is no different, with two of the sport's most respected fighters stepping into the ring Saturday night. There is no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all new users a shot at turning $1 into $55. To celebrate this weekend's huge event, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering new users the opportunity to get 55 to 1 odds on either main event fighter to win this weekend's fight. That's bet $1, and if the fighter of your choice wins, you cash $55. Plus, with basketball and hockey playoffs right around the corner, DraftKings Sportsbook has even more ways for you to make it rain. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code TBPN when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for new users by offering them the chance to win $55 when placing a bet of $1 on this weekend's big fight, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 85 of Process Potables. We are live reacting immediately following a blowout win against the Houston Houston Rockets. I think that makes it six straight for the Sixers now, and their magic number is four to lock up the one seed in the Eastern Conference. Again, episode 85, Process Potables. This episode is titled, Kelly Can Be a Guy's Name Too. Yeah. And that will lead me to introduce my co-host, Steve Jones. You can follow him on Twitter at SWJones87, as well as myself on Twitter at Dan Says That. Steve, I didn't give a shit about this game. No, I, I would. Could you have ever imagined that we're, we put up 75 points in the first half and you're like, all right, we're good here. Like, Houston's probably going to want to forfeit the game anyway. All I like. Could- all I could think about was get, going to 7-Eleven and getting yep. a Mountain Dew. Not, Same. Not an ad. So well, we'll take about. your money, PepsiCo. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Houston dressed eight people. I'm not sure all eight were actually available. They dressed eight because I think – is that you? do you have to dress eight to play yeah, the game? Yeah, that's is that the absolute role? minimum. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's basically what it is. And not only that, of all the guys they actually had available, uh, somebody got hurt. Was that uh, like Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah, sprained his ankle? Yeah. So, I mean, just – the Sixers were 15-point favorites this morning when I did my show on Steady Picks Radio. Uh, tune into that weekdays, 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Sixers end up winning this one 135 to 115. So covering the 15, I really thought that this was going to be a game that they would sit Joel M- Joel Embiid and possibly Tobias Harris as well. Everybody plays, but here's the beautiful thing, Steve. 
I'll go down the list of starters. Tobias Harris, 26 minutes. Danny Green, 24 minutes. Joel Embiid, 25 minutes. Ben Simmons, 24 minutes. Seth Curry, 22 minutes. I'm okay with it. That's fine, right? Yeah. And when you look at the rest of their schedule, and I'll give it to you here, the Pelicans at home on Friday, the Pistons at home on Saturday, at the Pacers, at the Heat, and then at home next week with two against the Magic. It's not out of the realm of possibility whatsoever that in all six of those games you can keep every starter under 30 minutes. I mean, is that is that crazy to think? I have something even crazier for you. Whoa. I would like to see, see none of the starters play in at least one of those two Orlando Magic games. Well, that's that's definitely, I think that's way more of a given than what I said. Uh, I definitely think that last Magic game on that Sunday, they should have this locked up. When we talk about the Magic number being four, when we talk about them needing to go four and two uh, the rest of the way to lock it up, that's assuming Brooklyn runs the table, which is not don't a given. Not, not a given. I mean, you know, whether they do or they don't, four and two is easy. But you figure, of all these teams... The Heat and the Pelicans probably are the two that you say, even if they're going to go four and two over this, those are the two. Yeah. And they could very easily win either or both of them. So you figure, you know, if they beat the Pelicans on Friday, I mean, I consider it over at that point. Yeah. If you get that one out of the way and say, okay, now you have to go three and two over those last five, there's no reason to believe that wouldn't happen. And again, you, we're, we're, we're considering that the Nets would have to run the table and, I am going to get to the Nets schedule. They play tomorrow night at the Mavericks. Then they're at the Nuggets Saturday. Then they finish up at Chicago, the Spurs at home, the Bulls at home, the Cavs at home. So uh, the last four shape up to be pretty easy for them, but they could lose one or both of the next two. Being out west on the road against two teams that you know aren't that bad. The Mavericks are, are pretty inconsistent, but they're nine games over 500. They have Luka... Uh, I don't know what's going on with KP. He he might play tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, and then the Nuggets, obviously without Jamal Murray, but still have Jokic have still been playing well. Are the four seed in the West, I think, or the three seed. They're they're hanging around three or four with the uh Clippers. So I mean, those two teams both have stuff to play for. They're they're good teams and they're both at home against the Nets. So Yeah, and I see that Dallas game being really interesting because right now they're the fifth seed, but they're only a half a game ahead of the seventh seed Portland Trailblazers, and they definitely want to keep gaining games so that they don't fall into that, uh, you know, that mini playoff, ter- you know, the play-in tournament or whatever. So I, th- you know, they still have something to play for. Right. So again, I mean, every any Nets loss takes a required win away from that Sixers total. So it, it's yeah. any combination of those things. Now again, that magic number sitting at four, uh, it feels great. So, Steve, I mean, really the question I, I was going to pose to you, and, I mean, we just talked about a lot of it, so I guess, you know, taking into consideration everything we said, do the Sixers do it? Do they do they get the one seed and they go into the playoffs and the and the Eastern Conference playoffs, at the very least, go through Philadelphia? Yes. And, I'm, I mean, something crazy would have to happen in order for us to slip to two or even three. Okay, well, we're, don't even – I don't and, even want to hear – but yeah, no, I'm, I'm no crazy talk. Don't really speak it into existence. No, nope. no, no, no. But I, I'm really confident. My these past three games or so, like they they've been a joke. They easy wins. Um, you can go back further than that. Yeah, and my biggest concern with uh, bef- the two games before tonight 
was Embiid just like he looked at times either disinterested or just really tired. Like he was just there, not really producing. And at least tonight, he wasn't that bad. So well, he wasn't that bad. Like, Do you want me to give you his stat line tonight? Yes. I I know watching the game it didn't feel like it. Thirty four and twelve. In yeah. 25 minutes. The easiest 34 and 12 you'll 34 ever see. 34 and 12 in 25 minutes. Yeah. You just said he wasn't that bad. That's the level of Joel Embiid. And that's just how much of a drain this game was yeah. to even pay attention to. Like, we were sitting here, again, waiting to go to 7-11 in the first half. All I could think about was this delicious Mountain Dew. And they were like, oh, Joel Embiid has 17 and 9. And I was like, when the fuck did when, he play? Yeah. I don't even remember seeing him out there. Like, I feel like he played his first shift and then... I felt like I watched Shake Milton for 45 minutes. Yeah. And, and I mean, that was fine. You know, Shake looked good. Not upset about it. Shake Milton uh, tonight ends up with 19 in 23 minutes. So uh, really nice to see uh, Sixers have seven guys in double figures in this one. That's encouraging. Including Dwight Howard, Tyrese Maxey, and Shake Milton all off the bench. So uh, got to feel good about that. When we talk about the bench, nice little segue here. Steve, yesterday the uh, NBA.com released their newest defensive player of the year uh, ladder. Ben Simmons sits at number one. We've talked about this. That's not even my point, and that's what's amazing about this is I don't I don't really think that there's much to talk about there. I think Ben Simmons is the defensive player of the year. I think that you think Ben Simmons is the defensive player of the year. Yep. So there's nothing to talk about. What's crazy to me is that Matisse Seibel was listed as fifth. I love it. Matisse Seibel is like the eighth man on our bench, and he is listed fifth in the defensive player of the year rankings right now. Again, that's not, you know, the rankings are whatever, but to even be mentioned as a bench player, to be put up there with Ben Simmons and Giannis and Gobert and uh, uh, who's the other one? Probably Bam is, is yeah. who I think the fourth one was. Uh, I don't actually have it up in front of me, but I don't really care. Um, so I sent you this, and I want to talk about it, and I think <laughs> I don't know where you're going to take it. I'm Go off the rails. To, yeah, I'm interested to see how this happens. But I uh, I saw a thread uh, from a fellow Sixers Twitter member, at uh, TrollBroDude, uh, who also hosts a a Sixers and uh, Eagles, and I, I think talks a little bit of everything occasionally, but mostly Sixers and Eagles podcast called Find a Topic, so check that out. Very good stuff. Mm. Has a ton of great guests, including uh, has had our uh, friend Marty Teller on a couple times, okay. uh, amongst other notable names, so definitely a another great podcast to check out if you're looking for stuff like that, but I want to give him credit because uh, I only saw this because of him, but Matisse Steibel... Is the first NBA uh, is the first player in NBA history to have two seasons where he had a steal percentage and a block percentage over three, and also qualified for the uh, minimum uh, the minutes per game leaderboard. So obviously, like you have to play a certain amount of minutes to even statistically qualify for certain things like this. So he hits that that minimum and has the steal percentage and block percentage both over three. First guy to do it twice. This is his second year. So it's the first two years of his career. He's done it back to back, and he's the only guy that did it twice. And uh, Steve, do you have this? Do you have that list up by chance? I do. I have the list. Do, do up. you want to? Do you want to read some of the historical uh, names that he is? Uh, you know, alongside in in this prestigious uh, statistic. So, like you said, Matisse was number one, and that's for this. Well, it's season. just it's just like a order thing. It's not right. number one. Oh, okay, okay. Matisse. But just read twice. the other names. 
David Robinson, Akeem Olajuwon. Historically great defenders at the center position. Bobby Jones, who at the time played for Denver. but you know, Strangler. Yep. No, that was Andrew Toney, but Bobby Jones. Yeah, Bobby Jones, uh, you know, former Sixer. He was on that uh, 83 title team. Uh, My fault. Carrie Scurry, who's the one guy you won't hear about ever. I don't know who he is. But right behind Matisse. Robert fucking tractor trailer. Robert fucking tractor trailer. Like, I mean, I mean, we're, I'm 34. You're 32. Yes. Right. I mean, we're probably at the the lowest age where you would remember him. He was. That sounds right. He was the fattest man ever seen in the NBA. Wow. I mean, uh, yeah, at at the time. Yeah, he was listed at six nine two ninety. And he at times he's been uh, in excess of three hundred pounds. Oh yeah, wow. So I guess that would put him above Zion. Yeah. And not even that I'm calling Zion, you know, fat, but we know he's a big dude. But how did he get two blocks, two anything? Well, again, close this is this is, per, this is percentage. But. Percentage. I, I mean, mean, like, how does that happen? The I, only thing I can think of is that he is so fucking fat that like. Remember the, the the pilot episode of Brockmeyer where guys are getting walks because they're, they're so fucking fat that, that they crowd the, the plate? They yeah. The plate. Like, the ball just must, like, always get in their way. Well, Steve, yeah. I, I, hate to, uh, I hate to bring this up because I fall Uh-oh. under the category as well, but isn't, isn't this sort of a pot meets kettle kind of situation? Are we really ones that are allowed to judge this? And also, like, we're, we're two pretty decent examples of, like, you know, Big, big dudes. Come oh, out. yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm allowed to make these jokes because I'm a member of the uh, overweight community. Oh, I so. see. Okay. So I mean, actually I'm making fun of my own people. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Cancel culture has me very confused sometimes. So yeah, I, you I, gotta, just, I, I just like to talk it out. I just like to talk it out. That's okay. Yeah. And but, did you know that he was um, in the trade? He was drafted by Dallas and sent to Milwaukee for future Hall of Famer Dirk Nowitzki. Holy shit, really? Yeah. So imagine that 6'9", 300 pounds. You went from being a normal guy in Texas to the fattest fucking guy in Wisconsin that's not a Green Bay Packer. Wow. <laughs> you learn something new every day, Steve. Bring in, yeah. bring in the, uh, the historical data here. I did not know that. Um, that's crazy. But, but back to Matisse. Now that we got the uh, Robert fucking tractor trailer part of the <laughs> podcast out of the way. Steve... Is what we're seeing from Matisse Seibel already not even finished the second year of his career, like, historically great? Yes. I mean, statistically, he obviously, he's great. and But even even the eye test, yeah. like, like, these stats are crazy because I, I always kind of figured, especially because of the minutes, that the stats wouldn't tell the picture. And they, they don't even tell. I don't even think these stats tell the actual picture. No. But, um. It like I think that we're like even before his career is over, I think we're gonna look back at at what he is and and at that point what he what he will be at at that point, which by all accounts will be even better somehow. Yeah, um, I don't know how much better you can get, but I don't think it's I don't think anyone can honestly doubt at this point that he could get better with with the way he's progressing with the jump he's taken from last year to this year. Because even last year there were there were definitely flashes. And all these talks about, like, the weapon he could be, how you use him. But there were talks about, oh, he he gets caught 
you know, jumping lanes too much. He gets caught taking too many chances, and he fouls too much, especially on three-point shots. And that stuff has already gone away a little I bit, man. completely forgot about those criticisms. Right. And, and last year, most they of them were valid. Gone. Yeah, yeah, right. Very valid. Even even the beginning, even the first half of this season, there was still a, a good amount of chatter about the fouling on three-point shooters. And again, it, it was fairly justified. I think there was a little bit of like, hey, we got to find something to say he's doing wrong because like when you're yeah. in your second year and you're being praised like this, people tend to need to go find reasons to bring it back down to earth. Nobody's doing that anymore. Yeah. And just think, three years ago, we were all in awe of Robert Covington with all of his deflections. Well, like, still, I mean, still a good player. Yeah, still a good player. I'm no, you but know, yeah, Roku but you don't, you really don't miss him. No, because and and now, dude, I don't know about you. I'm at the point. I'm like, shit. With the day he hits free agency, I don't know if we're going to be able to afford to keep him. Uh, I mean, that's a conversation for another day for, for another few years. But it's, I mean, it's, I mean, that's a real thing, I guess. I mean, yeah. you know, I. I believe you would have the rights and you could go over the cap to keep him at that point because yeah. right? you would own, you would have what like early bird rights or whatever. Right. I mean, we need Marty on for that one, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean that, I mean, I, we're probably like two years away from that. I know, guess, problem, I, I so. guess, I guess that is something to think about. I don't know how that would align with like the end of, uh, yeah. of Joel and beads deal, which I mean, obviously I, uh, hopefully, you know, he's still playing at a level that you want to re up with that. And, yeah. Uh, you know, Ben and Tobias deals as well. But, yeah, I, I don't want to have the conversation about no. what we have to pay Matisse and if we can or not. But the way he's playing, I, again, I mean, we saw him hit hit a three tonight, saw him hit hit some shots. The shots looked better. It's still not, you know, all the way there, but it's at least serviceable. Um, I still think the biggest thing with him, and, uh, you know, I've said this last year and even into this year, isn't even necessarily how the shot looks. It's his willingness to take it. It's like the, the hesitation in just being yeah. able to pull the trigger. It's better. It, it's not where it needs to be. But the defense is so good that I don't think it matters. And, and I wasn't sure that he could get to that point this quick. And it's one thing for the regular season. It's another thing for the playoffs. And, I it, like at this point his defense is so good that literally I don't see how you could not play him in the playoffs. Like you have to, and you have to find ways to get him extended minutes. Like I'm not talking about ten minutes a game here. I'm talking about him playing like you know twenty to even twenty four minutes. Like I think twenty four is probably a cap for him. Yeah. Uh, but I know like you know something like a lot of people would probably look at more like a sixteen to twenty minute role. I very easily could just see like. Him and Danny Green playing twenty four minutes each, and that's basically your your number three position. Like, you don't you don't fuck around with it. That's the only thing that you do. Yeah, and you know if and when you encounter the Bucks or the Nets in the playoffs, I mean, it, Matisse is going to be our you know third guy defending behind Embiid and Simmons. And when you're going up against Kyrie, Harden, and KD, or you know you're going up against Giannis, like like the um. The benefit of having, uh, you know, Matisse as being the guy helping one of the one of our two players is just going to be tremendous. And everyone always likes to bring up, well, okay, in the playoffs, the game tends to slow down, more of a half court game. Um, a lot of his deflections and steals um, can be, you know, as a result of being in transition. But I think the game slowing down, it, it, he might even have. More success during that. So well on the on the defensive end. On the defensive end, on, yeah. On the defensive end, I don't I don't think that um you know he'll have a problem in the half court. And that generates your transition and that's the thing. 
you know, that's a good point by you. Obviously, transition opportunities tend to be lesser in the playoffs. But with a guy like Matisse, I, I don't think, you know, that that's a that's a, a simplification of what happens. And Matisse is this extreme outlier that can generate so many of those. And again, we know that's uh, an area where the Sixers feast. So uh, if anything, I think where you would normally say, yeah, there's no way this team can sustain uh, the way that it produces turnovers, the way that it generates transition opportunities. Well, when you have Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibel on your team, I don't think that's necessarily a valid argument to make. I think that there's a very real case that, you know, even in the postseason that you can still generate turnovers like that because these guys are doing it by playing really good half-court defense, and especially when they're out there together and you have two guys that can jump lanes, have incredible athleticism, huge wingspans, um, and things like that. Like We saw there was that possession where, like, uh, like Shake even actually got his uh, arm in the way of a of like a pass to the top of the arc, and then all of a sudden there were there were like six deflections on that play because um, you had yeah. everybody out there with a wingspan. Because people forget Shake has a, a good wingspan too, uh, not like a, a natural defender by any means, but like still a big dude. Like this this team is built like crazy, which brings me to my next point, Steve. Because uh, I, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but I talked about this with you right before we hopped on, was the last two Nets-Bucks games. And I bring this up because, obviously, you do this pod with me, and I've been saying for pretty much this entire season that I thought Milwaukee was being disrespected, that I fear them far more than I fear Brooklyn. And they just took two straight from Brooklyn. Uh, both times, Kevin Durant having pretty good games, obviously without James Harden. So, you know, do with that information what you will. But Kyrie, Kevin Durant available, Milwaukee takes both. And I think that they just showed that Brooklyn is going to struggle with, like, athletic guys, with, with aggressive guys. They have no answer for Giannis. And if you saw what Giannis did, I mean, he dropped 49 on Sunday. Uh, I think he had over 30 last. I think he might have, like, 34, if I'm not mistaken. Joel Embiid's going to eat. Mm. And Ben Simmons should be able to eat. And, we, and again, it's unfortunate that it's always against, you know, these scrub teams. But we saw Ben take a fadeaway jumper tonight. We saw him getting into the rim. Like, this was one of – this is that infuriating game where you see Ben Simmons, you're like, like he can do everything. Oh, so they're going to have uh, Robert Trailer type uh, appetites oh when they God. eat. Mm. D- didn't you say something to me about how he looked like he ate Del Curry? Yeah, it looks – yeah, I mean, there's this one picture. If you Google uh, search him under the images tab – he like, of course, he's not at a good angle because he's kind of like bent over. And is like, there walking, a good angle but, when you weigh two hundred and ninety pounds? N- well, no, none at all. But like, dude, he looked like he just got done like eating Eddie Coconut Curry down in the post, like while defending him. Like, Eddie Coconut Curry. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, but you know, talking about Ben Simmons, and you know, he looked good tonight, but obviously a depleted Rockets team. I sent you this a few days ago. Uh, I unfortunately still exist on Sixers Facebook. (laughs) And while I imagine that most of, if not all of our audience is generally from Sixers Twitter and Sixers Twitter can be, can still be a very trolling and dark place. Sometimes it is also a very loving and caring community. Uh, We've both met a lot of great people on there. Absolutely. Um, I'm very fond of a lot of people on there and but I, I still exist on Sixers Facebook for a reason because I, I need to see what people are saying. And even if that's generally trolls and uh, weirdos who, like, you know, get mad that the Flyers make their logo into a pride symbol, 
uh, for a little while, but <laughs> not, I'm not getting into that. But somebody yeah. raised a, a fair point, and I was very surprised, and, and I expressed that to you. Recent 76er playoff history shows. 2018, Ben gets benched at point guard for TJ McConnell. 2019, Ben gets moved off of being the primary ball handler for Jimmy Butler. 2020, Ben did basically get hurt, but still got moved off the primary ball handler for Shake Milton. So, Steve, I guess I don't know if you want to put a percentage on it or if you just want to talk hypothetical here, but we know the Sixers brought in George Hill, who is a point guard, who is a veteran, who has playoff experience. You know, he's been with Milwaukee uh, recently on, on runs. I've talked about the idea of, like, I definitely want George Hill in at the end of games uh, in a, in a five-man lineup. My thought has been that he's in there for a guy like Seth Curry, and it's not a knock on Seth Curry. It's just that George Hill's a, a better defender. He's mm-hmm. another ball handler. He, he's a proven guy in the playoffs that you know has had success. Um, it's not that I don't think Seth could be valuable. And, hey, you know, in the right situation, maybe Seth's out there, whatever, whatever. But... I, I really kind of, and again, you know, we're, we're Ben guys, so maybe this has something to do with it, but I, I really have kind of forgotten that. And all those experiences are also Brett Brown, so maybe Doc Rivers uh, needs to be taught. We need to talk about, you know, Doc Rivers yeah. in this and how that factors into it. But I guess, Steve, do you, do you have any concerns at this point that we could experience yet another postseason where at some point, you know, the Sixers have too many struggles with Ben Simmons being your point guard in the half court and his offensive limitations and that there's the potential for a guy, again, most likely George Hill, to have to take that over and almost remove Ben from his role to optimize this team's offensive potential in the clutch when it matters. It's it's really tough because I've kind of been going back and forth on this. The good news is, well, okay, the first two rounds – we should be able to get by with Ben running the point like he has all season. Um, and I will say out of everyone you just mentioned, out of TJ and Butler and Shake, I like George Hill the best out of all that group as far as running the point, oh, especially yeah. late in the game. Uh, and, you know, you just have a bigger lineup by default uh, but or a better defensive uh, unit as well. Um, but, dude, at some point, like, Ben needs to figure it out running the offense, especially in the half court in the playoffs. I mean, we, I don't know. I don't think it's really feasible to, you know, you're going to be a point guard for 82 games of the regular season and then become a power forward in the playoffs. I just, I don't know how I feel about now. I will say Eastern conference finals, whether it's, Katie and Nets or Giannis and the Bucks. I mean, defensively, it would make uh, sense to have Ben be the four on defense. But, I mean, I still want to see him as a primary ball handler because he gets, a, you know, especially a long rebound and maybe we can get a transition game going on. Right. On, so, I think, you know, th- there's something to be said there, but I just really want to see Ben just because I think, I mean, in my opinion, that's more important than Ben having a jump shot. I I agree with everything you said. I think the the biggest point that you make, and again, it, it kind of goes against the point of what we're talking about, but it's a reality, is even with Ben's offensive limitations, there's no way you can take him off the floor. 
He's too important defensively. Yeah. And obviously, you know, the potential for him in the offense, which we've seen the flashes of all season. The one thing that's reassuring, and I don't have the exact quote, but there was a quote from Ben uh, recently that said that, the, you know, that stretch of games that he missed um, with, you know, what they're, they're saying was the flu. And, you know, there's been a lot of speculation on what that was. And I really don't give a shit at this <laughs> yeah. point. Um, I don't, I mean, Kyrie's or Kyrie Irving's allowed to take PTO whenever the hell he wants. So Ben took two weeks off, <laughs> whatever. For all we know, Ben just went on a 72 hour bender in Vegas with Dennis Rodman. Right. Sure. Whatever. I mean, uh, you know, Ben said that that kind of recharged him, revitalized him. Um, he had been slumping a little bit and, and I think you have seen that, um, as he's come back, obviously the whole team's, you know, they, they've had some games where they let up a little bit. Um, tonight, you know, they handled their business against the depleted Rocket teams. P- people are a little bit worried about, you know, who they're playing. Hey, you play who you play. They've won like six in a row. They're going to clinch the one seed. I- I'm hoping that, you know, that time off with Ben looking like he should be pretty much healthy at this point, hopefully, like we've talked about, you know, easing up some minutes, getting some guys some rest. Plus, you have the time off because of the play-in tournament. They're yeah. going to get like a natural four to five days off, and that's not including them, you know, probably not needing anybody for that last Magic game, ideally. Um, that, you know, he should be able to go into these playoffs ready to go. And not only that, you know, we're going to do plenty of playoff predictions and things like that. But, you know, right now it's looking like they're going to face probably like, you know, Charlotte and then either like Atlanta or New York. Like, yeah. listen, I'm not trying to disc- discard any potential opponent and, you know, unfortunately, I could, I could see a world where we're mildly frustrated by either the Knicks or the Hawks and, and you know, maybe have to do a yeah. panic panic episode or like a talk everyone off the ledge episode during that series. But ultimately, as far as uh, the first two rounds of a playoffs can go, it's pretty much the best case scenario. Like they really shouldn't have any problems. And my hope is that, you know, I think when Ben can build momentum over a stretch of games and, and against opponents and really get himself like in a position where he feels good about his play. Like, I think that's the biggest factor for Ben Simmons. Again, it's like all a speculation kind of thing or what have you. But I think if, if Ben can go in and beat up on a Charlotte for four or five games, and then even against an Atlanta or New York, you know, really, you know, hopefully have one or two games where he really puts up some insane, insane stats, you know, gets one or two 20 point games, maybe has a triple double or two that that will all set him up for a tremendous success in a conference final against either Milwaukee or Brooklyn. And the biggest thing, as we talked about for everybody, but I think especially for him being at home, yeah, having home court, having th- this these fans behind him. You know, there was a video that went on Twitter tonight, uh, literally from Houston in the crowd. It was the possession where Ben hit that turnaround fadeaway jumper. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're Rockets fans or Sixers fans or just a bunch of dickheads. I mean, they're definitely a bunch of dickheads. Oh yeah, but they're just yelling shoot when he's like standing facing the sideline at the top of the three point arc. Like not, you know, he's basically doing a dribble handoff. He's setting a screen. Like it's stupid. It's, it's worse than flyers fans um, to take a, to take the second shot at flyers fans tonight. But you know, then he hits that shot and kind of shuts everybody up. And it's like, you won't have to deal with that shit in, you know, four of a potential seven game series in a conference finals, whereas, you know, in a Brooklyn in a Milwaukee, maybe he gets, you know, a little bit of that shit. And again, I'm not even worried about that bothering him, but yeah, I just really hope that he can have those first two rounds being able to just build up momentum can be so big for them. And, and hopefully that's something that can uh, quell the idea 
of Ben Simmons needing to have his role changed or reduced or altered uh, in some way in the playoffs. Because, again, like I understand those past years why Brett had to do those things. Again, we're Brett guys, so we're going to defend that. But like you know, th- there was there's very much a reality to it. I think that year that he put like TJ in, like that was they literally they only won that game that he yeah against Boston that he started yeah, TJ at like the point, which was like four. Yeah, yeah, which was that like was so just one game, yeah, so fucking annoying that <laughs> that had to happen that way. But and, um, and and listen, I feel like it wasn't even a month ago. Some people are like, you know, I don't care about the one seed. I just want to get to the playoffs, get there, and healthy. Of course, we want to get there healthy, but that's a benefit of being a number one seed, baby, you know? He could be like, well, we're going to face lesser competition in first round, likely the second round, whereas if we finish number two, we're playing Milwaukee in the second round. Right, or Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, or and, Brooklyn. yeah those, and those are going to be six, seven-game series easy. Yep. Whereas, you know, like you said, just having an easier opponent in the first two rounds, hopefully it takes no longer than a gentleman sweep. Um, maybe that's a little arrogant on my end to assume that. No, but, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, we're number one for a reason. And Correct. that's just, I feel like a lot of people just, I know the take right now is like, oh, Sixers, oh, play against a quality opponent, you know? It's like, well, dude, one. Are you, are you talking about me? Was that you? Well, I made that meme. Oh, that, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just me being pissed off at how much I didn't care about the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just want to watch fun basketball. I mean, it's fun to win, but, like, <laughs> God, I'm so fucking bored. Yeah. Oh, man. So, I want to talk to you about a different team. A team that seems um. to be, uh, it seems to kind of be, like, you know, the secondary team for a lot of Sixers fans, which actually is going to be my first question you, and that's the Phoenix Suns, uh, you know, who have Dario, who have uh, Bridges, who we drafted and then traded in front of his mother for... Zaire Smith, who's no longer here, uh, all all those storylines. Who have uh, former former Sixer Chris Paul, but not actually former Sixer yeah. Chris Paul. Almost um, former Sixer Ben Simmons' Eskimo brother and Devin Booker. Oh wait, real, wait, yeah. Oh, is that with Kendall Kylie? or Kendall? Oh, I didn't even know she was with Booker. Oh no, she oh nice. Well, she's with really everybody, but well, it's none yeah. of my business. Good for them. <laughs> yeah, uh, Steve, is it okay for? Sixers fans also root for the Phoenix Suns, who uh, right now have the best record in the NBA. No. Well, actually, I don't think they do anymore because I think they lost to Atlanta tonight. Yeah. You say it's not okay? So here's my thing with the Suns. They're going to finish number one in the West. Are they? And, well, I think they will okay. end up there. They are a half game behind Utah now because they lost tonight to Atlanta. Uh, but Okay. Continue. Uh, but I don't see them get any further than the second round. Wow. And I started thinking more and more about why is that the case. If what, you think, like, Lakers have to play the play-in tournament and then draw LeBron? So I think if the season and well, this was before tonight's games, but the season were to end 3 p.m. today, I think... So you would have a first-round matchup of the number three Clippers versus the number six Lakers. Correct. So there's a good chance that they would face either, you know, L.A. Clippers or Lakers or Denver in the second round. And when you look at their roster, the only people on the team who has any, like, real playoff experience is CP3 and Jay Crowder. True. So, and everyone loves to talk about how Chris Paul's a GOAT, 
you know, the goat. He makes funny insurance commercials, whatever, Uh-oh. you know. Are you jealous that he doesn't represent your company? Oh, no, I don't care okay. about that. But, uh, I, I mean, Chris Paul is almost like the epitome of, you know, regular season guy. Like, that's something oh, that. Oh, whoa, whoa, I don't know about that now, one. Now, wait a minute. Man. But Continue. It's only made, gone past the second round one time in his career. Yeah. Lost in a conference finals. Mm-hmm. And he just has a history of making – he's had some really bad plays down the stretch when it really matters. Listen, that, that Clippers I mean, team was weird, and he does deserve some fault for that. Mm-hmm. The, the Houston thing, I don't know, but, like, you know, last year he led that Oklahoma City team really well, a team that wasn't expected to do anything. Did That's, very well in the regular season, you're saying? Yes. Um but he looks really good in Phoenix. Uh, he, it's not like he's expected to be the guy. I mean, they have Devin Booker, and you're yeah. right. Devin Booker doesn't have uh, really any playoff experience. So, like, that's a fair criticism. There is something to be said about, you know, that team and, and its composure going, you know, in, like, you know, a game six, a game seven against, you know, like, you know, guys like Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Anthony yeah. Davis. I get that. Um so it's very fair. It definitely is. And and that's definitely why odds makers, even with the recent success they've had, even with their place in the standings, don't have them anywhere near um, a favorite to make it out of the West nor win a title. So um, fair criticisms, but I do think that they're a pretty good team. And I think that, you know, like you said, if, if it's Clippers Lakers first round, like the Clippers could beat the Suns. The Clippers are, could be a problem for them. If the Lakers upset the Clippers and then have to go to Phoenix, like I would pick the Suns in that series, really f- pretty handily. But I'm also really, really out on the Lakers, and I probably wouldn't pick them to beat the Clippers. So I guess that's like a pretty yeah, moot point. That's fair. Um, I would definitely take the Clippers over the Lakers. And yeah, you're right. I guess if I if I look at it that way, and look at a second round matchup with the Clippers, I would put my money on the Clippers. You're right. Yeah. yeah. You're I'm right. not a betting man. I'm not saying that Chris Paul's overrated, but you know, there. I just sounds like you're saying it a I little just don't know, bit. Maybe just teeny, a little tiny bit. bit. But you know, a 35 year old Chris Paul being the number two option, you know, helping to carry the team with an inexperienced Booker. I don't know. That's fair. Uh, but, you make you make some good points. I'll I'll give you that one. I won't I won't argue that one with you. I'm actually going to concede to you. You know how much. Uh, that takes for me to do. I love to argue <laughs> and I love to be right. Usually, yeah, but I, th- I think you, I think you might have got me here. Yeah, all right. Um, and just to be clear, though, you don't think it's okay for Sixers fans to root for them. I, I, I just don't see the. I just don't see the you know other than that they're surprisingly good and they're better. You know, I think it's almost like a, a a lesser of all evils. Like you're not going to root for either yeah. LA team. You're not going to root for Utah. Yeah. And, I'm not going to root for Denver. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. really no one else in the West that you can possibly really convince yourself to even. I mean, the the Trailblazers are the only other one, I guess. Yeah, because we've definitely been a Trailblazers podcast oh, yeah. before. So, but we 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 know the uh, the, the limitations, <laughs> right? Of course. Yeah. So, okay, um, that's all the basketball I had. I did have some other fun stuff I wanted to talk about. Oh, and- Flyers hockey. No, absolutely not. <laughs> not baseball whatsoever. I wanted to talk about this. Uh, I wanted to talk about the Rolling Stone top 100 sitcoms list that I saw today. I think it came out today. 
And I guess, I guess we're going to start. To, Steve, I'm going to play this, and then I'm just going to let you uh, kind of go on. I, I'm guessing you have a take about this show. Yeah. Okay. So we'll start right here. So it's settled. The fate of Doctor Who's TARDIS will be decided by a Game of Thrones-inspired deathmatch on the battlefield of Thundercats versus Transformers. Fuck you! Where was the joke? He just fucking named a bunch of shit! How is this comedy? Why are you laughing? What? So, Steve, I take it you have a problem with wherever Big Bang Theory ended up on this list. Yeah, they're listed at number 90. That is a really, really generous ranking for Big Bang Theory. Okay. It, I mean, it's it's no secret that a lot of people hate this show, but... Correct. That, as funny as that video was, <laughs> it's he's right. He is right. And then, have you I ever mean, it's s- kind of it's kind of what makes it funny. Yeah. I mean, him reacting to Big Bang Theory is funnier than anything on a Big but Bang Theory. But if he Theory. was doing that to a show that was good, it wouldn't be as funny, I don't think. Oh, of course. And have you ever seen uh, there's videos where um, people play clips of the uh, Big Bang Theory without any laugh track? No. And they're like, yeah, where's the jo-? like, <laughs> Like, so the one I saw earlier today was... Two nerds. I don't know anyone's name on the show. <laughs> two obviously. nerds. So they're two nerds. Um, and they're like, "Oh, the I love fresh, you know, water in my beer." Coors gets their, you know, from the Rocky Mountains. That that's in uh, Colorado, right? And they're like, "No, it's obviously in Philadelphia." And he's like, "Oh, really?" He's like, "Yeah, because that's where Rocky's from." And I'm like, "Oh, like, yeah." Like, yeah, like not even intention, like funny in an intentionally bad way or like a dad joke way, but just no, they thought it was funny. Yeah. And then there's a lot of nerds that hate the show because things are inaccurate or portray it wrong. So that sounds worse than the show. You know what? They are probably like, you know, the one meme where it's like, um, like 12 nights around the table and add the swords down. It's like, oh, we're doing a verbal meme. Yeah, verbal meme. Yeah, I don't know this one, I don't think. Oh, really? Where it's just, you just see, like, 12 swords pointed in the center of a table, and it's just, like, it's, like, completely different groups that hate one thing. Like, oh. Yeah, so. I don't know. But that's, sure. yeah, so. Verbal uh, meme. Always works. And Big Bang Theory at 90, that's. All right, give me give me some other takes before, and I want to see if any of them align with, I have a lot, but I'm going to hope that you okay. cover some of them. So I noticed earlier when we talked about this before the show that, you're like, well, New Girl's number 76. Yeah. That's pretty low, which I, I would agree with. And and listen, we should probably put this out that maybe half these shows were before our time. And things we haven't seen. So we're going ball. Well, th- well, that's one of my takes, too. There's too much old shit on here. Yeah. Sorry. Like, you know, I understand, like, MASH had, like, the highest, like, rated finale for, like, like decades. Yeah. So, like, I get MASH being on there. I asked you, I'm like, have you ever seen Cheers? Like, neither of us have really watched Cheers. No. But, like, I've, I've seen enough things about it, and I've heard enough people talk about it. Like, fine, I get it, whatever. Yeah. But, like, but that's as far back shit, as you There's so go. much stuff in black and yeah. white where, like, like at those times, like, fucking women and people of color weren't even, like, like I mean, obviously, they're still not technically equals, and yeah. we still have a lot of work to do. But back then, it was so much worse, and I'm pretty sure half those TV shows were basically just playing off that the whole time. Like, there was that popular TV show where a woman was a genie and would just show up and do all these things that her man asked her to. Like, what? 
Wouldn't last long, you know, this. No, absolutely No, 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 no. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, something like Cheers, like, that's as far back as we can go. And yeah. my other thing is, is um, for me personally, I know it's like a lot of other people, like the Sopranos, when it came out on HBO, that was like the beginning of like this golden era of TV. where a well, lot, Especially for HBO. Yeah, especially for HBO. And it just seemed like between that time and now, like there are so many like, there's now there's so many great TV shows, like no one person could have seen them all. Like, there's shows on here that I know are really popular. I will probably never get around to. Here's what I'll say positively about it before I pretty much trash a ton of it. (laughs) Is that I can't think of a show that I really love that didn't make the list. So, I'll give them that. That, like, every show that I really feel like I have connected with, um, you know, for a while it is on this list somewhere, you know, where it's yeah. placed. I don't know how I, I feel about a lot of them. Um, the the one I would start with is Shit's Creek being at number 100. Shit's Creek really seems like it's really just become kind of like a phenomenon more yeah. lately. But I mean, it, it's already done. Like they had like seven or eight seasons, I think. Like they it had a very long run. It won a ton of awards. And now it's like becoming like kind of like more viral and like people are yeah. kind of watching it in hindsight. But all of those things lead me to believe that that already has to be way higher than literally like just skin of the teeth making this list between it being yeah. widely popular award winning and did have that long of a run. I, I don't know what else you're really looking like that, for. Like that's a justified recency bias. Like, right. So you like, know, I, I feel like they probably put them at a hundred so that they came off as not too biased with the recency. I don't maybe, know. I don't know, but I mean, there's stuff I I'm pretty sure that show goes back before some, like even other shows that I liked that are much higher on this. Like, yeah, for example, I give them credit. Bojack Horseman at 20. I thought it was very surprised by. Yes. And I think Bojack is like art. But I think Shit's Creek might have started before Bojack. I, I could be, I could very well be wrong. If not, it had it. Like They've the got to be pretty time. close. Yeah. So, so the whole recency bias can't really be a thing when you're willing to put Bojack at twenty, but Shit's Creek at hundred. And again, Bojack's way better. Not, yeah. you know, not my point at all. But um, the one I want to ask you about because I, I know this this might be a touchy subject between me and you. Uh oh. Parks and Rec at nine. I mean, I love Parks and Rec. But, dude, you know I love Parks and Rec, but dude, it's, it's not the ninth greatest sitcom of all time. No, The Office at twenty three, South Park yeah. at twenty two. Yeah, I, I saw that, and like I, I couldn't give Parks and Rec like that high of a score. Out of, I mean, because there's just some shows where it's like, okay, maybe you haven't seen it as many times, or. But, you know, it's just better than certain, like, you know, the writing, everything's better. But, yeah, that was really, really generous. So is there, was there a show for you that was, that, you know, that you was higher than you expected that you were happy about? Um, that I was happy about. Um, the other one I noticed for Curb was at 12. I know you're a Curb guy. Yeah. Um, quick hot take. I like Curb better than Seinfeld. I, I know you do that. It is, but it is definitely a hot take. Yeah, I um, definitely do not agree. I one that was surprised to see it as high as it listed, and this is going to be controversial. But Louie at twenty seven, because I was surprised by that too. And again, it kind of goes back to cancel culture. Yeah, 
And I almost feel like they put it there, like, in spite of that, to be like, we're not going to let that ruin that we liked this yeah. show. And granted, man, when it was on, I did like it. But, I mean, I didn't think it was that good. <laughs> yeah. Um. With that, that the show with the girl from that that's on FX, uh, like, Better Things or whatever. Uh, Pam Greer. Yeah, I, I'm or- pretty sure that was, like, like low fifties or maybe high forties like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't get it. Does anybody watch that show? Did you watch that show? Is it good? I don't know. I, I think we watched the first season, but I don't even really remember, dude. Like I'm pretty sure that show may have been above scrubs, which scrubs is at 53, which yeah. I found disrespectful. The good place at 46. I found disrespectful. You're the, uh, pl- pl- <laughs> pleasantly surprised by, you're the worst, uh, an amazing FX show being at 57. Uh, I was happy with that. And Arrested Development being at 15, uh, I give them a lot of credit for. Especially because Arrested Development um, had that one season that Netflix fucked up so bad, they had to go back and redo it. Yeah. So, like, I thought they might get punished pretty hard for that. But, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff A lot of good stuff on here. Um, some things I didn't like. Community at 24 I thought was nice. Um, the Office at 23 I was surprised by. I honestly thought The Office might have shown up like top five, top ten. And again, for me, I don't think Parks and Rec is better than The Office, but I know people are starting to get there. Yeah. Oh, and that's Pamela Adlin. Yeah, not whatever. Pam Greer Greer. Oh, I didn't yeah. realize you completely said that. different. Yeah, Pam's. <laughs> yeah, Pam, 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 Pam. Anyway, um, yeah. Any other takes from this list? Uh, so, The Office UK at number thirty. Yeah, I mean, like. I feel like people just give it this high praise because it's British. It was the original show. I watched the first four or five episodes, and it's just like the very first episode was almost exactly the same as the U.S. pilot episode. So, like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And then, to you know, completely different trajectory. But I just – Ricky Gervais was funny. That was really it for me. Yeah. And I don't even think – I feel like it also – to like like British comedy, it's a completely different monster in its own. And like you kind of, well, I, I think that's a good point. Yeah, and then it's not even the best British comedy on the list. Um, probably no one our age is going to notice, except for me. But there is a show number seventy five, Black Adder, and heard of it. I only know of it because the one time in college I was out for a week with the flu. Um, I just like. Fell asleep and uh, I think it was on. It was on like PBS and I'm like, I'm like, why is Mr. Bean on? And then I realized, wait, what's what's House doing on there? That's that's Hugh Laurie, and it, it, it's I don't really remember much of it, but it it was it was really really funny. It's the I think the show is only four or five seasons, but basically it's the same characters, but each season takes place in a different. Uh, like century or war, like you know, like okay. World War One, World War Two. Then they go back to, right. yeah. I would so, watch that. yeah. And uh, who was the other um, big name? Uh, oh, Stephen Fry. Uh, okay. Yeah, he's that guy where like you don't know the name, but you're like, oh, I've seen that guy. Like mm-hmm. once you see his picture. Oh no, I recognize the name. So um, the the only other thing I had was that Flight of the Concords was sixty nine. Nice. nice. I love that show. And I so I had uh, real quick. Uh, New Girl was at 76. How I Met Your Mother at 82. 
Yeah. How I Met Your Mother significantly better than New Girl. Yeah, that yeah. Was, I was like, mm, okay. Um, yeah, I agree that that's if wrong. There's I mean, one I think they both should be higher. Yeah, but. If there's one show that I think could one day get into my top five, it would be Letterkenny. Into your top five? At one day or wow. ten. Like, I, I, that show is so damn good. It's very funny. There's just, like, there's not enough substance there for me to oh, be that really? high. You know, like, there's no, like, I don't really have the emotional connection with it. Like, like I think I've, like, I might have ten things written down just here about, like, shows on this list that, like, I was upset about. So, like, Letterkenny getting into my top ten seems like a lot. It's very funny. But, like, you know, some of these things I have emotional connection to. Yeah, and... The one show that I surprise didn't make the list, and I think people our age or younger would agree, Boy Meets World. Oh. That's a good point. It's yeah. not on there at all. No. There's, like, Disney Channel shit on there. Right? Okay, I thought so. I think, like, I don't even think I'm going to say it right. Like, Phineas and ferg or whatever was on there yeah and i think there's another like thing that looked like a kid's fucking cartoon or something mm-hmm. yeah wow i forgot about boy meets world that's a really good point wait was saved by the bell on there no i don't remember i don't think that was that. on there either i know fresh prince was on there well probably zach morris being trash well yeah why. zach morris is trash yeah. oh true. and i do have here like an honorable mention number one 101 for me would be strangers with candy Oh, <laughs> love Strangers with Candy. Yeah. Wait, but, yeah, dude, that even, like, Freaks and Geeks isn't on there? Yeah, cause, like, Freaks and Geeks only went, well, that was only one season. I know Strangers with Candy was three, so they probably. Yeah, there's definitely some things that could have made it on there. Uh, And, the like, The Simpsons number one, fucking right. It's the greatest show of all time. Yeah. Not even sitcom. It's the greatest show of all time. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. I'm not asking about that one. Um, the Simpsons did it. Yeah. And, um, so I know, you know, you watch the Simpsons like every night growing up, like I watch the Simpsons every night now, like, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. And I, like, I, I watched the Simpsons growing up, but it was just when I happened to catch it, I didn't like right. make it a point to watch it every single night. Mm-hmm. But re, uh, my goal is to like rewatch the first 10 seasons and I like finish like the third season. I was just you, like, you can go beyond, I probably like you can go past 10. It seems yeah. weird. But they're still pretty good. I actually, I watched yesterday um, for the Star Wars thing. I was watching random episodes that Disney said had like Star Wars things. Oh, okay. Them, and I watched, the f- the first time I've watched any episode, I'm pretty sure since season 20, I watched an episode from season 30. Really? It wasn't bad. Really? It wasn't good, but it wasn't bad. I'm sure... You know, there's probably some bad ones. Dude, the one thing, and I don't know when this started or if maybe, like, it was a, a random thing, they stopped doing the intro. Really? Yeah, like, the, the intro was, like, five seconds, and, and I didn't hit skip intro or any bullshit. They had, I, they just had to run out of ideas, right? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, it was, like, five seconds, and you were into the episode, and it was like, what? That is weird. Because I've already complained that they have a skip intro feature on Disney Plus for it because you are a fucking piece of shit. If you skip the intro for The Simpsons, fuck you. Yeah. Don't do it. Uh, for real. It's the great. But there's one thing to take away from tonight's episode. It's fuck you if you skip the mm-hmm. intro for The Simpsons. But, uh, yeah, the episode wasn't bad. But, obviously, the early seasons are just fucking incredible. You know, let me ask you that. Because uh, some people who still kind of watch it, I've heard that they've kind of done, like, 
what South Park does now. It's like their episodes are mo- more of a reaction topical to, yeah, to topical yes. current events mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, the episode I watched was very. Um, they they uh, the episode I watched was they did a uh, all female reboot of Itchy and Scratchy. Oh, so wow. so yeah, it's exactly what's been going on with movies and stuff. And uh, Bart basically joins like an all girl gang. So like he's learning about like gender equality and they they make jokes about like cancel culture and yeah. uh i think marge makes a statement at some point she's like i don't know what to be liberal about anymore like <laughs> as i mean like there's some there's some good stuff there yeah. and i don't i don't know if that's me becoming like if uh, it's because i'm bordering on boomer that i can laugh at some of those and things. i'm sure I, I can't believe i just said that but unlike I mean, the first 10 years probably being on fox also they probably have to you know, tilt their jokes in, you know, one part of the political sh- oh, spectrum no, they, over they've, the they've, other. They've, all, but, they've always... But yeah, know, no, they've they all, hit both yeah. sides. Yeah. Um, I get your point, but yeah. Um, to to go off of that, two, two quick things and, and we'll get out of here because um, I'm tired, bro. Me too. Uh, speaking of why I was watching The Simpsons yesterday, yesterday was May the 4th and all the uh, Star Trek nerds were talking about it. Uh, Star Wars, excuse me. Uh, I don't want to piss anybody off here. Uh, fucking nerds, but all the Star Trek nerds getting mad about using the Force by Gandalf. Yeah, right? exactly. Yep, and uh, <laughs> and all their rings. But Steve, your uh, your thoughts on Star Wars? You have like a, a hot take. Do you want to give me like your top three? Uh, what do you what do you, what do you got for me? Anything on Star Wars? Ooh, well, top three. I mean, for me, it's Empire. Uh, I feel like you're just an original trilogy guy. Well, the, well, I don't know. Like, I love Empire, but dude, Rogue One. Oh, yeah. was so oh, fucking good. I, I watched that. Um, if, I but love Rogue if one. there's one hot take I have is that I don't think Solo is as bad as everyone makes it out to be. Okay, everyone's telling me that, so I feel like I don't know. Really? I got to watch. Like, yeah. I, like, like, people love the shit on it, but I'm like. like I'm, I remember hating it. I just feel like I remember hating it. And maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe something's like, wrong with me. I went to see it in I'm going to watch it again. And I was like, okay. So I. But, like, I, you know, um, like, I don't know if I feel the need to. To watch it again, I only did. Well, you're making me do it now, so sorry. <laughs> and then, I think two or three years ago, sometime before Episode Nine came out, I rewatched all of the uh, Star Wars movies with Cassie. So, like, I did watch Solo again. I'm like, it was fine, but you know, I, and I don't think you can call that or any other movie horrible when you have. You know, episode one, like that was just buddy. You're be careful, man. A lot of people have come around on episode one. People don't hate it like they used to. Well, I so I talked to someone uh, like episode two is easily the worst one to me. Really? Yeah, two so fucking bad, dude. I mean, it's so slow. I think nothing happens. Oh, Anakin's an emo piece of shit. Like, yeah. Episode one for how fucking stupid the pod the pod racer thing is. Like Darth Maul's a bad motherfucker and the whole fight scene at the end rules. Yeah. So like there's some there's some stuff there. Yeah, no, like one and two are really bad. Like I and I'm telling you, man, you got be you gotta be careful talking about yeah. one. Do people are gonna come for you? The only re- yeah, the, ner- the nerds are gonna strike. So what I found is I got in a debate with uh, someone I work with who's twenty five and for kids that you know on the younger side, like episode one is what made them become Star Wars fans. So I, oh, I kind of white. Yeah, because I don't like that. You know, th- that's kind of what I've gathered personally. I don't know 
how that is across the board, but I I, I mean be, because most things you're going to watch it chronologically. So I think people watch the first three movies and they're like, okay, well it's newer and so on right. and so forth. So I guess, I don't know. And I, I, and I guess without those movies, you don't have things like the clone wars, like the cartoon. Well, you haven't watched clone like, wars. No, I haven't. It's I, so I heard it's good. Really good. It's so but, good. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I, I still don't know to this day what the like general perception is on, episode three but i will tell you that episode three is probably the one over the last 10 years i've watched the most real okay i like for some reason i just love going back to it man i think it's really good yeah i think so when i rewatched it i was like episode one i was like like this was like bad it, the first thing that i'll point to which most people do is is the graphics and the cgi which is kind of unfair because at that point in time like a year after that, like it improved tenfold. Right. You know, from film people I've talked to. And then, like you said, episode film two, like I've it was just to. episode two. Like not only did it like dragon was born, but like Anakin, I was like, dude, like dude, he fucking he's suck. fucking creepy. Oh, like yeah, he dude, hating Christensen kind of sucks. Yeah. So overall, that's the worst part. And I think that might be what I like about three is that he just gets his shit fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that, that's what I like. Yeah. And episode three, I was like, okay, this, like you, you can't put it on the same level as one or two. Oh no, I think it's significantly better. Oh yeah, um, and oh. I, I think three is better than any of seven or eight and nine. Uh, agreed. Well. Yeah. Um, but whatever. Uh, let last thing I had, and we'll get out of here. Steve, today's National Hoagie Day. Oh yeah. What's your favorite type of hoagie? And either you know, where do you go to get it now, or you know, like where you know, where is the best hoagie you've ever? Where'd you get the best hoagie you've ever had from? I mean, the best hoagie ever for me is if you're from South Jersey, Carmen's in Belmar. That's right, but the old one. Was. Was. But they got bought out by Delunos yep. and the quality. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's my answer, so thank you. And I, my go-to is, because most of the time I ate there was when I was a kid. It was always, like, just the, their turkey and cheese, mm-hmm. you know. Um, right, but right now, what's your favorite type? Right now, um... So my favorite hoagie, this is probably going to piss some people off, but uh, I really like Primo's, dude. Um, I know they're not like the small local hoagie shop that people love. but Well, unfortunately, around us, they're gone. Yeah. La- uh, Larry's changed ownership. Carmen's got bought That's out. That's right. Yeah, Larry's did, too. Uh, well, uh, Lucia's is gone. Yeah. And so with Primo's, I was going to say Chicken Diablo, but it's like, well, that's not. A hoagie's yeah. got to be lunch meat. Yeah, I'm not. But. I forget what it, they called it, but um, one of their Diablo sandwiches, it's turkey and roast beef. Okay. Fucking. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I We got to find. So, obviously, like, like Virtuos is where I go now, and their Italian hoagies bag. I love a good Italian hoagie. Yeah. Um, but would really love to find a uh, a place that would make me a nice, a nice legitimate, you know, real deli type of Italian hoagie. You, you know who uh, makes a good sandwich? Um that I've never had. I don't think I've had their Italian. Uh, if maybe I had it once, and I'm I can't remember now. Is a uh, Dawn's in uh, Hilltop. It's oh. on Old Black Horse Pike. 
Okay, okay. Yeah, it's a real small place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I've had like one or two sandwiches from there. They do a good job. Yeah. I, I assume they're still there. I don't know. It, it, it just sucks. I, I just know from Sixers Twitter, like, everyone loves Finks. Oh, and, yeah, come on. And, and, yeah, like, I've seen the videos. And I'm like, Thumbs oh, up, man. Thanks. Like, dude, this dude knows what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. Like, I, I'm j- But, like, we don't have that, like, authentic right. we don't place have near it. us. Like, That's not the anymore. It's yep. just. Listen, Finks, you want to send us some hoagies? We'll eat them on fucking camera. Yeah. No one wants to say it, but we'll do it. Open at a location in South Jersey. I'm just saying. That's true, too. All right. Uh, any any final words? Anything before we go? Nope. I uh, just can't wait till we speak next Wednesday about our number one seed Sixers. That's right, baby. Yep. Uh, make sure, uh, if you're listening, if you want to support the podcast, go to DraftKings. Use promo code TBPN. It does support the podcast. Uh if you're a new user uh, you right now, uh, like you heard at the top of the episode, uh, you can get 55-1 to 1 on the big fight this weekend. Uh, Steve, who was that fight? Canelo and... Canelo and Sanders? Sure. <laughs> oh. I, don't, I don't fucking watch boxing, man. Dude, the, the, the last boxing fight we watched was uh, Mayweather versus Pacquiao. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, boxing's dead. That, like, that is... Five dollars. I really want. Back. Well, I'm assuming I'm assuming you're not considering uh, Jake Paul to be an to be an actual boxing match, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. With you there. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody. Make sure you're following us on the socials at Process Potables. Uh, we'll be back next week again, like Steve said, to talk about the one seed. Um, if you have any interest in AC Beer Fest, there are still tickets available. It is 100% on now. Um, as things are starting to open back up, I believe they're like 80% sold out on tickets. So if you're looking. Uh, to get them, get them quick. They're going knuckle puck the early November, less than Jake. Um, face-to-face, a whole bunch of great bands, a whole bunch of good stuff. Uh, it was Suicide Machines, I think. Um, acoustic acts, food, beer, obviously beer. Uh, far far down on that list of really awesome things, us will be there. Yeah. Um, so check that out. Follow AC Beer Fest on all the socials and stuff. For Steve, I'm Dan. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and trust the podcast.